Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. I'm Deepika Vani from Watfix. I'm going to be your host uh, for today's episode. We have an amazing guest today, Nick Bennett. He's the head of uh, field marketing at Clary. Clary is a forecasting activity intelligence and pipeline management platform for B2B revenue teams. Nick, welcome to our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and Clary? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm super excited, super excited to be here. So so a little bit about me. So I've been I've been in the tech industry for for probably about the last seven or eight years, working for various startups, mostly in Silicon Valley in in the West Coast. And so, funny enough, I actually went to school for sports management. So you know, when I went to school, I was big into sports. That's what I cared about. And I got out of college, and I said, okay, what am I going to do? And it was like, okay, there really wasn't many options. So. I went into sales and did that for a little bit and then got into the field marketing side of things. And literally, I wouldn't change what I do for the world. It's every day is an absolute, just an experience that I wouldn't change for the world. And I've been doing the field marketing thing for about seven years and it's incredibly fun. I've worked with some really brilliant people, really amazing companies. My last three companies have been acquired so I'm riding a little bit of a wave right now. And yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited to be here. And, and a little bit about Claire, I mean, you kind of hit it on the top of the head, but you know, we are an AI-driven revenue operations tool. And so a couple of things about us, we streamline your forecast process. So we continuously roll up forecasts and improve accuracy. We spot deal risks. So we manage, accelerate, and win more deals predictably. We also manage your pipeline health, which is important for everyone. So we gain pipeline visibility to increase conversion rates. And we drive full full funnel accountability. So we automatically integrate sales and marketing activity data to improve alignment across teams. And lastly, we get answers that that drive action. So we make better decisions with real-time analytics and AI insights. That's super interesting, Nick. So you've been into field marketing for almost seven years and then you finally landed into Clary. That's like super amazing. But yes, to start off with, right, you know how COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the field marketing strategy, the whole change in a couple of like weeks, right? And we had to shut stop our entire field marketing activities for the almost rest of the year. So what exactly are uh, your team doing now, like in the field marketing space, in the team? Yeah, so so that's a great question. So we basically were, you know, we had a bunch of in-person events scheduled. We had a full plan in place. We were starting to build out logistics, getting venues locked down, and then all of this happened. And so we've completely pivoted to a 100% virtual environment. And so what we're doing is we call them virtual roundtables, basically. And it's... I like to say that it's different than a webinar. A webinar, I feel, is a one-to-many. A roundtable is a discussion among thought leaders that they can gain best practices and share their best practices with each other. And so that's what we've kind of done. We, we did eight of them in April, and they were all incredibly successful. And basically what we've done is we, we come up with, with topics that are interesting during the times that are impacting everyone today. And I think that's what's important to get people to come to these things because you know what it's it's what's going to make them like do their job better today with a pandemic 
going on. And so we basically did eight of those in April and we're gonna continue that into May and we're adding a couple more variations of it, but we keep it pretty limited. We only have about 20 people that come onto these round tables. There's no deck, no sales pitches. It's 100% thought leadership and just discussion, sharing best practices. Everyone has their cameras on. Everyone is just enjoying the conversation. Then we share out the recordings after. That's nice. But I have a biggest question here right now. So I did mention that I'm also handling field marketing at Wattfix, right? And I've been doing this for quite like three years right now. And I've not really done like any other roles in a long, for a long period of time. So this transition for a field marketer to do all of these virtual events, how exactly are you tackling this at Clary with your team? Because change is hard. People resist to change. Yeah, you're 100% correct. And it's like, you know, the, the big thing for us was that when we were doing in-person events, everything was very regionalized. Like we don't really do many trade shows. We only do, you know, a couple of them, Dreamforce, Serious Decisions, but we really focused on the in-region events that would help drive pipeline for specific territories. And with everything moving to a virtual environment, it's like, yeah, you could still do targeted region like roundtables and things but what we've done is we've actually opened it up to the entire country and so it's not only benefited a specific area but it's also more benefited the company as a whole and also it allows us to scale this even further than we imagined if you think about an in-person event you usually only do maybe one to two of those per month we were doing eight of these roundtables in, in April, and we'll probably do eight or nine in May, and it will continuously do that. So the scale that we're able to do these at allows us to build that much more pipeline and also drive acceleration through deals that we already have in pipeline. And I think that's important to, to realize because if you look at the, the ROI from these these roundtables, we're spending zero money on it. So, so the ROI is through the roof. And what executive team would basically say, no, let's go spend money on something else when they're seeing the results that are being driven at a zero cost. So it's, it's important. It's done really well. We're going to experience with a couple different formats to see what works best and maybe kind of pale it back a little bit and make sure that we're driving quality over quantity, just so we're not putting, you know, MQLs in there that the sales team thinks is, is trash. Makes sense. Makes sense. Like when I started out doing these virtual events, because like this whole pandemic, we had to shut stop, right? I was initially super nervous, but now I'm like super excited and I'm doing a lot of these virtual summits and stuff along with the team and super exciting. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy how quick companies, just not even just Clary in general, but just companies that are out there. Like I've talked to so many marketers that have been able to pivot so quickly and just completely transition to a virtual world and, and still thrive in it. And the thing that I think that marketers in general need to work on is how do you separate yourself in a virtual environment while everyone is trying to do somewhat of the same thing? Because at some point, the, the virtual environment of these roundtables and webinars is going to become saturated. And, you know, what can you do to stand out to still get your ideal customer profile to attend these things? Makes sense. Yes. And considering all of these are happening, like a lot of webinars, virtual sessions, right? 
so you would have had a company wide strategy that has changed because we would have had like field marketing strategies other metrics that we generally track like how did you go about changing any of your kpis kras for yourself and team during this situation yeah so so funny enough we were actually this morning i was going through what our kpis actually were because we when, when we when we developed our q1 kpis and our Q, q2 kpis it was basically heavy on it was heavy on the in-person events so the numbers had to change the we, we look at a few different things so we look at net new pipeline which is important to us we look at influence pipeline we look at ABM account registration makeup. So, you know, what ABM specific accounts are registering for these roundtables? Out of those registrations, how many are actually attending? What are the ABM accounts that are attending? We also look at unique attendees. So basically deduping anyone that's attended more than one. We look at both the attended rate and the no-show rate. And then we also break it down as far as, you know, your, your typical MQLs, what are we doing for the, the source pipeline? And we're still kind of tweaking these right now, but we want to make sure that these KPIs fall under the, the, the growth team. So at Clary, we do something a little bit different where we have a growth marketing team. And so we're led by a uh, VP of growth and enablement. So he overlooks fill marketing, demand gen, web marketing, our SDR team, our enablement team. Um, so we're technically a growth organization and it's, it's, it's done really well because our teams are the ones that are moving the needle every single day. Yes, that's absolutely right. When all of these teams come together is when uh, the sales pipeline gets moving, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so uh, Nick, what are the building blocks of such strategies? Like what are the best practices for doing such virtual events? Yeah, so, so I think some, something that I've learned and you know, a few, cake, few key takeaways were definitely if you're doing a, a discussion type thing, don't, don't have any decks. People, people want to get together and they want to have conversation. They want to learn from their peers. What's working at xyz company that maybe isn't working at my company and it's like you know when they get together that's the networking piece that you're trying to replicate from in-person events that's what these people look forward to every single time that they come to these because they get so much out of them and i think it's important to try to do that and so another thing we we try to basically put together a list of all the attendees. So whoever's leading our round table, they actually print it out. They know exactly what company, what stage in the funnel they are, if they're a net new prospect versus customer. And then, so they're utilizing these sheets to basically go through, call on different people, know how to basically segment a conversation. Um, and it's worked really well. Oh, that's great. I think I did see one of your posts uh, on LinkedIn as well about this, um, about how to move the needle right down your uh, uh, sales funnel, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I put a couple, I put a couple of posts. So I put a best practices post out that kind of went over some of these things, but also another thing that I think fail marketing or just marketing in general, it could be demand gen as well, is pipeline acceleration. So some people think of, of direct mail digitally as a, as a, you know, a kind of door opener. But the way that we looked at it 
and was a, a pipeline acceleration program. And I kind of put some of the stats out there, but the amount of pipeline that we were able to drive and close from only spending about $20,000, which is, you know, two, three person in-person events um, is, is crazy. And it was literally an amazing program that we plan to replicate this quarter with a couple different variations in it. Yes, Nick, I'd actually love to know a little bit more about the kind of steps that you followed to make this a success, this direct mail. So probably the field marketers who are listening to this can probably implement the same strategy in their organization. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so we kind of came up with this whole program in about a week and a half. And so we wanted to say, okay, what's what's important? We look we wanted to know a couple things. We wanted to look at identifying budget and gifts beforehand. There was four steps, super simple. Identify the budget and gifts. The second step is marketing and sales needs to align on the goals. What are you trying to come out of this? Who who from what accounts are we trying to target? Step three is collaborating to execute the actual program. So Phil Marketing was the ones that were sending out the gifts. The sales team is the one that's actually following up with these people through both um, email and phone. If we didn't hear back from someone that we sent something to, we would personally reach out to them as well. And then step four is analyzing the results. And there was three key aspects of what we looked at within the specific program. It was which close one deals hit from our deal acceleration program and how much the total number of accounts engaged, like who actually accepted our gifts. And the third piece was total amount of pipeline influence. So, you know, we drove 4.2 million in close one from 16 different accounts, which is awesome. We had a 30% uh, hit rate out of 370 gifts sent. And we had 100, 100 accounts engaged and we drove $37.5 million in influence pipeline. So like these types of metrics is important to look at. And like I said, this, this whole thing only cost about $20,000 to run. So any marketer that's out there can definitely do this. And if you have the right type of marketing and sales alignment, which is incredibly important, by the way, I think this could be really successful for, for many. Uh, Nick, to be very honest, uh, 4.2 million in, uh, in a closed one from 16 accounts is a really great number, especially during uh, such a situation. <laughs> it, it, it is. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so we're going we're gonna to try to beat these numbers in Q2. So I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to let you know how we do in a couple months. Yeah. So how have you planned your rest of the year with the entire uh, virtual summit? Like you've almost transitioned to virtual events, that is webinars, summits, coffee catch-ups, like customer sessions, like what more, like what are the other things that you have in uh, mind that you're going to be implementing for the rest of the year? Yeah. So, so we've actually transitioned for the rest of the year to hundred percent virtual. So we don't plan, even when in-person events do come back, we're not even hundred percent sure that we'll be doing those uh, for the foreseeable future, maybe towards the end of Q4, but you know, who, re who really knows because these things are being successful right now. But so we're going to keep the roundtables going, which are, are super important. What we're going to add is we're calling this a master's of revenue after hours. So it's basically the same thing as a roundtable, but it's set in the evening. And so we'll actually send alcohol to the homes of those people registered. And so we do one of those a month. And it's basically around a certain topic. So this month we're doing around revenue operations, which is important for tons of people. And we're, you know, we reach out to everyone that's registered. We ask them for their home address. We ask them what type of alcohol they would like sent. And it's more of like a happy hour 
And we did one of those in March and it was incredibly successful. We, so we said, okay, you know, hey, let's try to bring these back and let's try to make it where we do these regular roundtables during the day when people are working. But, you know, what about something to get people to unwind a little bit, have a couple drinks, talk about different things. So we're really excited about that. The other thing that we're going to be trying is we're calling it the Clary Playbook. So it's a monthly workshop, and this is more of a deep dive to a certain extent slash demo. And so it's led by our product team along with one of our sales leaders. And so the one that we're doing for May is basically like, where did my deals go? So new ways to proactively manage and de-risk your pipeline. So we're going to see how that goes. And then we're going to basically add or subtract into June and July, depending on how these go. And we have certain metrics that we're looking at from like a persona level, a title level, what, you know, different types of things that are going to determine if we're going to add to these or if we're going to subtract from them. Okay. You seem to have quite a lot of plans. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, we're, we're excited. Yeah, it's, you know, the one thing that's that's made this uh, whole pandemic interesting, it, it allows people to be creative and it allows people to think outside the box and just try to be different and just try, you know, try to do things that maybe you normally wouldn't do because who knows, they could be a home run for you. And this could be something that you add to your playbook going forward that you'd be incredibly proud of. It's, it's super interesting, uh, Nick, but considering a field marketing leader and you're talking so much about online events, it feels to me that you're actually loving these virtual events and you sound very natural to it. So when all <laughs> of this goes away, how are you planning to integrate these two? Like, how are you planning to integrate yeah. virtual plus physical events? Yes, that, that's a great question. So, you know, obviously we know, we know in-person events are going to come back. When are they going to come back? Who knows? But I think what's going to be hard is leadership teams are going to see the ROI that you get from these virtual events, which are basically almost a zero cost versus an in-person event. And so it's something that you're going to have to balance. I don't know what that balance is going to be, but I think uh, virtual events are going to be here for the foreseeable future. I don't think now they're going to go away. And I think that a lot of people, a lot of marketers and film marketers, you know, they were used to just doing in-person events. And now that everything's switched to virtual, they've learned so many different things that will help them in their careers. I know I have. And adding that to kind of your tool set is important. And then it's just figuring out the balance of like, okay, you know, are we looking at a 50-50 split? Is it 60-40? I think only time will tell what that actual uh, matrix will be because you know it depends are we not looking at in-person events till next year then i think people will only get better from these virtual events and then it will be harder to kind of fully drop off them awesome so you've talked a lot about how the transition is going to be what are the different kinds of uh, strategies that you've implemented and how it's pivoted uh, during this pandemic now uh, we're going to quickly move on to this lightning round and uh, we'll have a couple of questions here for you, Nick. Awesome. Yes. First one. Yeah. What do you know about your work now that you wish you'd know when you first started earlier? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, wish, I wish I knew how impactful virtual events were. Like from my whole career, I've, I've done webinars and things, but I've never, it's never been a focus for me. 
And after being able to see the types of virtual events that you can do and how creative people can be, I wish I knew that before because if I was doing this a year ago, like I would be the only show in town because no one else was, was doing it. And it would be incredibly successful. I could scale quicker. Um, I think that would probably be one of the biggest things I wish I knew. <laughs> I was expecting this as well from a field marketer. I wish yeah. that too. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yes, what did your biggest professional failure teach you in this whole um, field marketing uh, career? Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing would be don't be afraid to fail. You know, try things, think outside the box. It's you know, people that are hired into field marketing roles, especially at high growth companies, aren't there to do the status quo. They're there to be a difference maker. They're there to think outside the box and bring that creativity. And I've tried to come up with things in the past that have fell flat, like flat on the face. And it's just, you know, it's, it hasn't delivered the results that was expected. But I think it's important to know if that does happen, what can you do to course correct it? And what can you do to stare forward to make sure that you don't make that mistake again and that you turn that failure into a success? Definitely, because not all of our campaigns really uh, makes to a great success, right? There's difference from it, it, one, one to another. Exactly. Even knowing some marketers may say they've never failed, I can guarantee you at least every single one has failed more than once. Yes, definitely. Especially in field marketing events, when one event does not work well, you need to compensate with another event, right? Exactly. Yes. Yes, Nick, the next one will be, what's the thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve? I think the biggest thing is... I would say just networking. I've literally tried to talk to so many different marketers from both, you know, regardless of level. I've talked to CMOs, VPs. I've talked to individual contributors, people fresh out of college. Everyone has um, different insights to give. And I feel like that you can learn from anyone. And even, you know, you could be, you could be still in college, but you might still tell me something that maybe I don't know. And I've learned so much about film marketing and marketing in general, just from having these conversations and, you know, networking is an important aspect that I think everyone should do. And not only market, not only networking with other marketers, but also network with sales. And I think that's incredibly important for film marketers because we're so closely aligned to the sales team that you need to be talking to these, these sales reps. You need to be talking to your revenue leaders. You need to figure out, you know, what they're seeing, walk in their shoes a little bit, and that will hopefully make help you, make you a better field marketer um, and person in general. Yes, uh, I think um, the last point where you mentioned about all of these networking, which is going to make you a great field marketer towards the end of everything, right? Because irrespective of virtual or field, I think networking is the key. Exactly, definitely. Awesome, Nick. This was a super interesting uh, discussion and it has been super in insightful for me as well, being a field marketer and the kind of things that you've talked about that we could do during uh, uh, such um, a situation right now. Thank you so much for taking the time for our podcast. Yeah, thank you. I had an absolute blast and, you know, excited to learn more. <laughs>